Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody seems to be really happy today. Is it because of the weather we had? Notice I said had, because it's a little warm again. But some, it could be something else. I don't know. Was it, huh? Would it have something to do with Go Tigers? Uh-huh, okay. Man, what a great game yesterday. It's always good to preach on a Sunday whenever there's a good game. Sunday's where it's not a good game. It's like, oh man, here we go. But it's good to be able to come together in the house of the Lord and worship together this morning. Let's take a moment and greet those who are joining us online right now. Appreciate everybody who is tuning in on Facebook Live and our streaming services. Let's give them a great big Journey Church welcome this morning. Come on, give it up for them. Now, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to jump back into our series, uh, Year of the Bible. If you are new to Journey, uh, let me just go ahead and tell you what we are doing. At the beginning of the year, we decided to take the year to read through the Bible as a church. You can go by the Welcome Center and pick up your reading guide. We hand them out every month. Or you can go to our website, takethejourney.tv, uh, or our social media uh, platform, and you can get the electronic version there as well. And we're reading throughout the Bible, learning so much together as a church. But also on Sunday mornings, we are studying through the Bible as well. Uh, right now, we are reading through the book of Jeremiah. Having a lot of fun there. Uh, Jeremiah is considered one of the major prophets because it's a very long book, 50-plus chapters. And Jeremiah, a lot of people don't realize, he is a lot, of, uh, a lot of times known as the weeping prophet. One of the reasons for that. It's because the message that he had to bring to Israel was one of repentance. And he lived a life of persecution uh, because his message was not all that popular. And so I know that just like me, you're enjoying reading through that book. But today we're going to focus on the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of Colossians and in 2 Thessalonians as well. We just finished up Colossians this past week. And we're actually in the book of 2 Thessalonians right now. We're going to look at a passage of scripture there. Now, we talk about those who are new to Journey. Let me take a quick moment and welcome you if you are here for the first time. It's great to have you as our guest. We hope that you feel right at home. If you would take a Connect card and fill it out on your way out after service, make sure you go through our Welcome Center uh, in the foyer and give that card to them. They've got a gift they want to put in your hands. Uh, it's great to have you with us, and we're honored that you would choose to come and worship with us here at Journey Church on this Sunday morning. So do this for me if you would, church family. Take out your Bibles. Go to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. We're going to be focused there this morning as we look at growing. Everybody say growing. We look at growing in our relationship with Christ and allowing him to transform. Everybody say transform. We allow him to transform different areas of our life. Here's where we're going to start this morning. Years ago, whenever Stacy and I stepped into uh, ministry being our occupation, the one job that I did not want to have was working in children's church. And the reason why, Stacy and I, at that point, we had no children. And uh, I kind of looked at children like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. They've got boogers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they're, just, they're all over the place. And, ew, you know, just kids. The thought of that was just like, I do not want to do that. And I got to tell you, in 25 years of ministry, the six, the six years that we served in kids' church was probably one of the greatest assignments that I've ever had in ministry. I loved working in kids' church. 
Uh, Stacy and I had the 6 to 12-year-olds. We averaged in that department over the course of ministry uh, there about 135 kids every Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you what, that's a lot of kids. And I know firsthand that every week we need to be praying for Kelly and Casey and the different workers in the children's department. They do a tremendous job over there along with their awesome team in the orange shirts. Uh, they do an awesome job pouring the word of God into our kids. But, you know, all the different events that came along with Children's Church, we would do uh, summer camps and, and all these different events. Actually, we've got a, an event coming up that we used to do years ago in Lafayette. Uh, we started doing this here years ago called Journey Fest. Mark your calendars, uh, October 31st, we have Journey Fest here on the Journey Church grounds. Inflatables, food, all that good stuff. All i got to say is this, funnel fries, okay? And everybody's like, oh, funnel fries, we're going to that, Okay. Uh, I'm convinced that whenever we get to heaven, that's the smell that will, you know, whenever you get there, funnel fries. And you'll be like, that's definitely the place for me. So I loved all the different things that we did in kids' church. And I remember the kids, we loved to do illustrations in there. And on uh, January, uh, I think it was 1995, I did an illustration where I brought a mirror into children's church and I had that mirror on the front of the platform and had each of the kids go by and look into that mirror. And here was the illustration for them. What will you look like this time next year? I told them, in one year we're going to bring this mirror back and I'm going to let you go by and look at it again and I want you to note what the change in you will be. And sure enough, over the year, those kids changed, they grew, you know, they grew up so fast and all this kind of stuff. But this is what I told him that Sunday morning as well. I said, I also want you to think about spiritually what will change within your life. How will you change over the course of a year? And even today, as I was preparing for this message this week, uh, there's a lot of the kids we had in kids' church. They're, they're grown now. We follow them on social media. They're grown. They're married. They have kids of their own. Talk about make me feel old. Whenever you see kids that I had in kids' church at that age, now their kids are that age. And it makes me feel like really old. But to see where they are now. And see so many of them serving the Lord. And so many of them involved in ministry. And how they have grown. And it made me think about where we are as believers. And here's the question that I have for all of you here today. Where will you be at a year from today. In regards to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Because a lot can change through the course of a year. And here's the reality. It, it's kind of like this. In a year from now, will you have matured and will you have grown in your relationship with Christ? Or will you kind of stay where you are and just kind of maybe stagnate a little bit? Where will you be at in two years? How about five years? In five years, where will you be at in regards to your relationship with Jesus Christ? Will you be where you are today in, in, in regards of kind of just staying where you are? Will you have grown? Will you allow God to be using your giftings in your life? Will you possibly be hosting a life group as you've stepped up into that place of, of wanting to, to spend time and develop relationships with others and pour into them? Or here's the scary thing, over the course of time, will you slowly drift away from God? And will you look back five years from now and say, man, I really wish that I, I had now what I had back then. 
Because only us gathered within this room that know our heart and where we are, we are the only ones who can give an account individually for our life. And honestly, we need to think about where we want to go and the direction we want to head as we allow God to transform our lives. And here's where I'm going to take you, Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Beautiful passage of scripture that Paul wrote to the church here. And what he says in this verse is something that we really need to take to heart. He says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. In other words, he needs to be the very foundation of our lives. We need to be rooted into him. We need to be growing in our relationship with him on a continual basis. And here's the thing that you need to know about uh, as we're reading through the book of Colossians. Actually, we finished Colossians this past week. But as Paul actually wrote this letter, one of the things he did was he commended this church for their faith. So I said, guys, you got some, in, the, in the area of faith, y'all got it going on. But he also had to deal with some legalism that was creeping into the early church. There were false teachers who would come in. They were teaching different things. And, and Paul had to deal with that. And, and, and it's easy. If you're not careful, you can get caught up in legalism. Now, if you don't know what legalism is, here's what it is. Basically, you live your life by a list of spiritual do's and don'ts. Well, you can't do this, and you can't do that, but you should do this, and you should do that. And basically, you go through life checking the things off of your list. Whew, well, I made it through today, and I didn't do any of these things. And whew, I made it through today, and I did all of these things. And you're living your life by this spiritual to-do or to-don't list. And it's easy whenever you get caught up in that to get caught up in the appearances of Christianity. And it's easy when you get caught up in that to get caught up in legalism, okay? Now, in reality, when you think about legalism, and Paul had to deal with this, he actually gave direction on where we are to direct our heart and our mind. And here it is, Colossians chapter 3, you go over one chapter, look at the first two verses, and Paul writes, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, look at this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now that's difficult, you know why? Because we're earthly beings. Look at your neighbor and poke them real good and say, you're a human being. Yeah, we're human. And it's hard sometimes for us not to have our mind on earthly things. But what Paul's trying to help us understand is this. Is that in reality, we are eternal creatures. And once we come to Christ, our mindset ought to be this. Hey, I'm, I'm here on this earth now, but this earth is not my home. One day I'm going to be in the presence of God for all of eternity. He's trying to get us to the place where, hey, don't let your mind be so caught up on earthly things. The things that bother you, the things that, that get you all worked up and anxious. Don't let those things direct your life. Just realize that, that you are an eternal being, and one day as a Christian, you will be in the presence of God for all of eternity. Now, I'm going to say this. It's going to be kind of sobering, but I'm going to say this. As an eternal being, if you have not trusted Christ with your life, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, then guess what? If you step off of this earth without receiving what Jesus did for you at the cross and preparing for eternity, then you face eternity in separation from God in a place called hell. Now that's sober. We don't like to think about that. We don't want to talk about that. Oh, that's negative and all this kind of stuff. But that's reality and that's truth. And so here would be my appeal to you today. This is not a game. 
And you need to understand that your eternity is only secure in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for you at the cross. You, just like me and everybody else who's been born, are born with a sin nature. That sin nature will control and dominate your life. You, and here's the thing that we need to understand. Jesus went to the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and the sin nature would no longer be something that would keep us in captivity, that we could be set free because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. And it's found through salvation, freely surrendering your life to him, letting Jesus become the Lord, the master of your life. And so today, just something for you to, to ponder on, and if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I, I would implore you, please, I, I would beg you to surrender your life to Christ because there's a lot of important decisions that you will make in life. But the greatest decision that you will ever make is your eternal decision to surrender to Christ. Amen? Now, here's where we go back to thinking on things that are above and not on things that are earthly. Here's the sad part about Christianity. All too often we focus more on the outside than we do on the inside. Okay? And when we tend to have the ability to focus on the outside, what happens is this. We want to clean ourselves up and have the appearance of Christianity while ignoring the inside. If we do that, what happens is eventually we'll slip back into those old patterns and those old habits that maybe were a part of our life before. I'm reminded of a guy that I knew in Lafayette who was incarcerated. And uh, whenever he was in, in jail, he actually surrendered his heart to Christ. And whenever he got out of jail, he actually wound up coming to the church that we were serving at. And he, he started off great. He was excited about the Lord. He started living with a gentleman there in the church who was retired. The guy was single. And he said, I'll, I'll help mentor and disciple you. Uh, Stacy and I knew this gentleman, great friends with him, great man of God. But uh, this young guy came and moved in with him. And he was living there rent-free and got a job and all this kind of stuff. And what happened was we started noticing that the, what was changing within his life was more the outside than the inside. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, here's what happened. He went out, got himself a couple of nice suits, got himself a big old Bible, started coming, sitting on the front row, hallelujah and amen and everything. But he started slowly but surely hanging out with the people that he had hung out with before he went into jail and those old habits, those old patterns were there once again becoming recognizable within his life. And so sure enough, because uh, all he did was want to focus on the outside, sure he had a nice suit and sure he had a big old Bible, but eventually he fell right back into the same old temptations because he was more focused on the outside than he was in allowing God to transform him on the inside. And unfortunately, it's a sad tale, but he eventually wound up back in prison for a long period of time because he fell back into those old patterns and those old habits. And so here's what we want to make sure that we do in Christianity. We want to understand that God wants to transform us on the inside to the outside, okay? Where does the initial work begin? It's right here in our heart, within our spirit, that he wants to change us. And I want you to understand something. So many times we deal with the outside, we have the look, but we never really deal with the internal struggles that we have. And the reality is, every one of us have things within our life that we struggle with, and the enemy knows exactly what buttons to push within our life. As we surrender to Christ, step into the family of God, allow the Holy Spirit to direct our life, to counsel us, to lead us, we need to know that God wants to continue to work on those areas of our life and to change those areas of our life. Amen? 
So that's why Paul's telling the church here that we are called to, we're set, called to set our minds and our hearts on things above, okay? Not to allow the enemy to come in. And this is one of the things I want to help you understand today. The direction we're going is we're going to deal with, with, with our mind. Because I, I'm convinced of this, that we will never truly walk the life of a Christ follower until we think like a Christ follower, okay? Until we understand that God is for us, not against us. That we are more than a conqueror through him. The different things that the word tells us that we are promised, we have to accept that and understand that because the biggest battle that we face is where? It's right here. Everybody go just like this. Point both fingers to your head. Right here, okay? Look at your neighbor smile that I'm doing that. Yeah, they think you're crazy. Okay, yeah. All right. So that's the biggest battle. And so that's why one of my favorite verses is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We quote this right here on a regular basis. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew our mind, to work on our mind, to work on us from the inside out. So here's the direction that we're going to go in today. I want to walk you through three things that this transformation that's taking place on the inside of us some of the effects and results that we will see within our lives as we allow God to renew our minds. This is a big deal. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a big deal. This is huge. So three things. Here's the first one. If I'm going to allow God to renew my mind and transform me from the inside out, first thing I want you to get is if I, if I think differently about myself, I will live with confidence. Everybody say confidence. You don't have to live life as a, you know, a cowering Christian. We're called to walk in the boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's one of the verses that we quote around here all the time because it's something that we need to embrace as the body of Christ, as believers, and it reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. I like this. The old is gone and the new is here. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, and the newness of Christ is upon your life. Okay? How many of you in here like new stuff? Raise your hand. I don't know about y'all, but look, you can go buy something, you know, used or, or, or Facebook marketplace. You can go to a pawn shop, and, and that's all fine and dandy. You, you know, you get a good deal, but there ain't nothing like getting something brand new and breaking it out of the packaging for the first time. Am I right? I, I mean, it's like it, it, it's new, and you're just like, I'm the first person to use this. That is awesome, and that is also a picture of what happens whenever Jesus Christ comes into your heart and makes you brand new. It is the first time that you've experienced life as a new person in Christ Jesus. And here's what I like about that, that we have to embrace, is that if I will begin to think differently about myself and see myself as a son or daughter of God, I will see him as my heavenly father, then what happens is I'm going to begin to walk through life with a new confidence within my life. Because the old is gone, the new is here. Now, we talk about new stuff. Think about this. How many of you in here have ever gotten a new car? Okay. What do you love about that new car? Smell. Everybody always says that. You go down to like Benny's or Go Clean or whatever, and if they detail your car... They even ask you, like, we got these different scents. Do you want, you know, pina colada? Do you want, you know, wild cherry? Or do you want the new car smell? Just, 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 as, just a survey. How many of you in here get the new car smell? Okay. I do too. Okay, so don't be like, you know, like, uh, I do too. All right. Now, here's the question. 
Does it really make your car smell like a new car? It really doesn't, okay? There's nothing like that new car smell. It might make you think like, oh, new car, but it's not, okay? (laughs) There's nothing like the new car smell. There's nothing like having that newness that is attached to it. I remember whenever Stacy and I, when we bought our first house, we we bought a fixer-upper. It was one that we said, hey, we're going to go into this house and renovate it. And we went into that house and we gutted it. I mean, we ripped everything out of that house. We even had toilets in the front yard for them to come by and pick up. One of the neighbors was, came by and griped because the toilets were in the front yard. I'm like, well, I could put them in your yard. No, I didn't really say that, okay. I didn't really say that. But anyway, we, we worked hard on the house for several months, stripping wallpaper and border and all that kind of stuff, repainting that house, getting it all ready. When we got finished, the house looked great, but we were worn out, y'all. If you've ever done that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so, I remember whenever we moved here, when we started looking for another house, Stacy was going and looking at all these other houses, and finally I told her, I said, you know, you're looking at these houses that we're going to have to go in and repaint and, and do all this work. I don't want to do that. And she said, well, well, why? I said, well, I know we saved a lot of money on the last house, but it almost killed me. And she said, well, you're up for the task again. I'm like, What? I said, let's just get a new house. So we found a nice little subdivision there in Denham Springs and bought new construction. Because here was my mindset. If we buy a new house, I don't have to do anything. Let me just tell you, that's a lie of the devil right there, okay? <laughs> it, it is. Because we got that house, and they hadn't even fin- we got to you know, pick some different things in the house. And, and then they, they, they finished it out, and we moved in. And we were so excited. Until we figured out that, hey, we, we, we need mini blinds in the window because you can't just duct tape, you know, newspapers to the windows. And, and we've got to, you know, put pictures on the wall. And we've got to put a fence up in the backyard. There was a lot of work left to be done in that house. And I'm going to tell you what, if you've ever hung mini blinds before in a house, those things are of the devil, y'all. I'm serious. It's like you get them in there and they don't fit. You've got to go back to Home Depot. The person in the mini blind department at Home Depot and I became very close friends through that experience because I I went back in there at least 10 times getting different blinds. But I thought I won't have to do anything, but the reality, there was still a lot left to be done. And perhaps you have stepped into the family of God and if your mindset is this, well, I surrendered my heart to Jesus, there's nothing else left to be done. You were in for a surprise, my friend. Because guess what? Once you step into the family of God, that big moment steps you forward growing in your relationship with Christ. If you are of the mindset, well, I have to, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing and, and there's nothing else left for me just to wait until the day comes where I go to heaven, then you're mistaken. We are called to grow. Everybody say grow. We are called to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. Your heart, my heart, everybody in the body of Christ's heart should be to grow and to move forward daily in our walk with Jesus Christ. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, man, do I have something for you. Tonight, right here at 5 o'clock, we have our grow class. And everybody always wants to know what are our steps to becoming a part of the Journey family, how to become a member. We tell everybody to go through our growth track. Uh, which is three classes, Connect, Grow, and Serve. And tonight, the Grow class, it's, it's strictly a discipleship class. It's to help you understand things within the Bible that m- maybe you don't understand now. 
you know, like, why do we take communion or why, how, how do I pray? Things like that to help you really grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you want to grow and you've never taken this class, come tonight, 5 o'clock. It's going to be a great time. There, food, child care, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun as we grow. Everybody say grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, if I want to think differently and live with confidence, then I've got to allow God to transform my mind. And here's what I want you to understand. When you do that, you'll begin to see yourself as God sees you. You'll begin to see that, that God's mindset of you is that he's for you, not against you. I, I love that song we just sang a few minutes ago, that God is for me, not against me. Because the enemy lies and says, man, God's against you. God doesn't even like you. God thinks that you're a loser. He's looking at all the things in your past. And man, the enemy's just constantly lying to us. And I want you to understand when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past mistakes or your past failures. The things that you are so perhaps embarrassed or ashamed about. Because all of us have those things within our... How many of you in this room, and just be honest. How many of you have at least one thing in your past that you don't want nobody else to know about? Raise your hand, okay? What? We all like, you know, yeah. <laughs> we do. We have things in our past that we're, we're ashamed of or embarrassed about. Like, man, I hope nobody ever finds out about that. We all have that. But the enemy comes and he reminds us of the past. And he says, you know what? God can never forgive that. God can never help you overcome that. That's going to define your life or mark your life. And so, so many times we allow that to become our identity because we believe the lies of the enemy. I'll tell you something, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past mistakes, your failures, the things you're ashamed of. When God looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus covering your life. And he sees the potential that he has for your life. And he sees the purpose that he has for your life. He sees you as one of his sons or one of his daughters that he wants to do amazing things through your life. And so you need to understand that you can walk in the confidence of God as you allow him to transform and change your mind. Now here's the thing. So many times we gain our identity from a lot of different places. You might say, well, well what do you mean? We gain our identity from our marriage. We gain our identity from our job. We gain our identity from others or maybe what other people have spoken into us. We gain our identity from, from our, our marriage or all these different things. And here's why that's a mistake. It's a mistake to let that be your identity because so many times when we have things that are disappointing in our life, we tend to embrace that, well, I must be a failure because this has happened in my life. You know, th this happened with my child, so I'm a failure as a parent. This happened on my job, so I, I'm a failure as an employee. This, this, I, I'm not as successful. You know, I had, I had success, and man, I based my identity on that. Then everything fell apart, and I'm a failure. Your identity cannot be based off of those things. It has, has to be based off of who you are in Christ Jesus. A son or a daughter of God walking out the life that he has for you, which is fraught with obstacles, which is fraught with all kinds of things that the enemy will bring against you. But check it out. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and direct you and counsel you through all of that. That's a good God right there. That is for me and not against me. Amen? That's good preaching right there. Man. Whew. I just fired my own self up. 
so if I think differently, I'm going to live my life with confidence. Here's the next direction I want to take you. If I think differently about my purpose, I will live with focus. And here's what I want to tell you. That's a major issue in the world we live in because a lot of people are unfocused. They're all over the place. We need focus. Would you agree with that? Imagine if you went to the doctor's office to get your eyes checked and he did this whole thing where he's like, you know, is it, is it this one or is it this one? Is it this one or is it this one? And then you finally got to a place where you're like, well, well it was still kind of blurry. And he's like, that's close enough. <laughs> and gave you those glasses and you walk through life with everything blurry, okay? We need what? We need focus as we go through life. And if I allow the Holy Spirit to work within me, I allow him to, to deal with my heart and my spirit and my mind and transform me, and then what's going to happen is I'm going to think differently about the purpose that God has for me, and I'm really going to be focused as I walk through life. So that's very, very important for all of us. Here's the problem that we have. Uh, let, me, let me start it this way. None of us are perfect, okay? You agree with that? None of us are. If you think you are, come see me after church. I'll pray for you, okay? But the problem is this, while none of us are perfect, we still tend to believe that everybody else has their act together and that they're perfect. Here's what happens. We, we look at somebody else's marriage. We say, man, they really got their act together. I wish that my marriage was as good as their marriage. I, you know, I, I look at their kids, and man, their kids, they got their act together. Man, they're, they're perfect. We're, we're, we're terrible in that area. We, we compare ourselves to everybody else, and we get caught up in the mindset that everybody else has their act together, and they're, they're perfect, and then that, this, that, and the other. I love what, there, there's a popular speaker right now, his name is Robert Madu, and uh, one of the things that he says is, comparison is cancer to contentment. Comparison is cancer co to contentment. It's hard to be content when you're constantly comparing yourself and your life to other people because what does cancer do? It eats away at life. And so I, I just thought that was a really good statement. I actually got it written on the board in, in my office. I got one of those boards I can write stuff on. But here's the thought. The enemy keeps us from the purpose that God has for us by telling us that we're not qualified, that God can never use somebody like us. But what I love about this is God loves to use imperfect people. Okay, God loves to use imperfect people. One of the things that I, I love about this is uh, Stacy and I, we'll, we'll sit down with couples from time to time. We'll do counseling and, and minister to people. And I love this because you get a young couple that'll come into our office and they're going through some struggles at year two, three, five, whatever of marriage. And they think that they're the only ones who are facing this at this, you know, we're the only ones. And they will sit with us and we'll walk through that with them and we'll tell them, oh, yeah, when we were about that same place in marriage, we had some similar struggles that what you're walking through, trying to get used to each other, maybe frustrated with each other in this area. And this is what they always do. They're like, really? And this is, you can read it all over your face, but you're the pastors. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and clarify something for you. When you step into ministry, it does not mean that your marriage, your family, everything is instantaneous. You just, oh. That's, that does not happen. We are real people just like everybody else, okay? We have to work on our marriage. We have to work on our family. We have to build our marriage and family as Christ is the foundation and us building our individual lives, growing in relationship with Christ daily, allowing him to transform 
different parts of our life. So here's where I want to take you. Because the enemy comes and he tells us, hey, it's just you. Nobody else is facing this. God can never use you. There's no purpose for your life. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11 says this. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. You know what that, that verse says in a nutshell? God wants to do some amazing things through your life. Okay, He wants to use you to build his kingdom. And when we realize that God has a purpose for us, and we become focused on that, here's what happens. Our heart's cry is this. God, use me. Use my gifts and talents to build your kingdom. But check this out. But God, use my shortcomings and my flaws as well. You say, how in the world could God use shortcomings and flaws? Just like whenever I sit with, Stacey and I sit with that young couple and we say, yeah, we've been through that. And we didn't throw in the towel. We didn't quit. We didn't get frustrated at each other and say, you know, we're going our separate ways. We hung in there and allowed the Holy Spirit to work within our lives and not change me, allow, you know, hey, change that woman and her, hey, change that man. But God, change me. Help me to be the husband. And Stacey praying, help me to be the wife that you've called me to be. And we minister to that couple and share that with them. The shortcomings, the flaws in our life helps to build them. And so guess what? God can do that through each and every one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your flaws or shortcomings look like. They can be used to bring God glory and honor as we build his kingdom. Amen? We're allowing God to transform and change us. So if I think differently about my purpose, I'm going to live with focus. I'm going to be focused on what God has for me. And here's the last one. We're going to land the plane right here. If I think differently about my future, I'll live with urgency. Man, I like that. I'm going to live with urgency. Everybody say urgent. We all get excited about a lot of stuff. We talked about new things. New car, new house. Ladies, y'all get excited about new clothes. What? My wife comes in and she says, man, she got all kinds of stuff. She's like, man, I saved you so much money today. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Could have saved me money by staying home today. <laughs> but just like every other woman, she gets excited. She got new shoes, new outfits, new jewelry, all that kind of stuff. And she's showing it to me. And this is the typical man response. Uh-huh. That, that comes later. Uh-huh. How much that cost? And we, we get excited about new things. Guys, how about that new, that new rifle, that new shotgun, that new bow? Huh? Okay. Some of y'all, your wife don't know about that. You're scared right now. I bought me a brand new shotgun two weeks ago. Didn't even tell Stacey to this moment, hey, I bought me a new shotgun. I'm kidding. That didn't really happen, okay? That did not I did buy a new shotgun, but I got her permission before. <laughs> Not her permission, let me clarify. We prayed and came into agreement. Okay. But, but seriously, we like new stuff. I, I got me a new, new shotgun. She gets new clothes. You guys get all, whatever, you know, the new things that you like. New iPhone, whatever. But where's that new shotgun, that new iPhone, those new clothes? In a year, five years, ten years? Where will it be? 
How about this? How about 20 years down the road, will you still be wearing the same clothes that you just bought that are new and fashionable? No. If you are, somebody might laugh at you. They won't. Because by then it'll be what? Vintage. It'll be, it'll be vintage, okay? Bryce went to a garage sale on his way home. Can I tell that story? He's not here. Uh, he went to a garage sale, and he came home with a box. How many hats were in that box? Like 100? Okay, 50. He bought 50 hats, was it, or 100 hats for 50 bucks, something like that. He was so excited about, Dad, I got all these hats, and I'm talking about all kinds of hats. And this is what he said, they're vintage. <laughs> I pulled one out, and I said, son, I had the same hat whenever I was in high school. He said, exactly, it's vintage. Whatever. But but here's the reality. The things that we love today that are so new that we just pour ourselves into, they pass away. Here's what Matthew chapter 6 says. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with, with having some things that you like. What he's trying to help us understand here is make sure that those things don't have your heart. And make sure that there's not an urgency there towards those things. And so if, if there's things that are wonderful that are, should be considered treasure, and we should be urgent about those things, what are they? If the things that we look at and we think that are so important, five years, 10 years, 20 years, they pass away and they're gone, what is the most important of all? Well, it's people. Because guess what? People are the only thing that are eternal. The only treasure that we can take to heaven with us is what? People. The only ones that we can tell about Jesus and the good news of the gospel and see their life transformed through what Jesus did for them at the cross over 2,000 years ago are the people that God places around us in life. The only ones that we can really, the only thing we can really take to heaven with us are the people. So we want to share the good news of the gospel and we have to be urgent about that. You say, well, Pastor, why are you, why are you like that? Because this is not a game. There's a lot of decisions that we make. I shared that with you earlier. What college are you going to go to? Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? What job are you going to have? But there's only one decision that is the most important decision of your entire life, and that is your decision to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Because that is the only decision that allows you to step into the presence of God and live in heaven for all of eternity. Now, whenever I say your decision to surrender your life to Christ, I'm not talking about praying a prayer and having the appearance of Christianity. I'm talking about genuine change within your life where you give everything to Jesus and you live for him and you serve him and you honor him with your life and and you hate sin. You don't want it to be a part of your life. You run from sin and, and you grow in your relationship with Jesus every day. That's what we're talking about today. And if I think differently about my future then I will live my life with a sense of urgency. I'll look at people in a completely different way. And here's the thing. Every day we share life with people who may not be ready for eternity. That's a sobering thought. They may not have surrendered their life to Jesus. And here's the thing. If we're going to allow God to transform our mind, we've got to begin to think about people differently. 
We cannot look at people through the eyes of judgment. We cannot look at people through the eyes of hatred. We've got to look at people through the eyes of Christ and see them right where they are and see them as a person who is precious to God and see them as a person that God wants to save and transform their life as well. Amen? You might say, well, 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 pastor, is that one of the reasons why as a church we, we, we do so much serving within the community? Absolutely. You know, when we, when we launched Journey Church 10 years ago, we said we want to be a life-giving church within this community to where we, we get outside the four walls and we go show people the love of Christ because there's a hurting world out there, y'all. There, there's a world out there that needs only the hope that Christ can bring to them. And, and so that's why we do things like, you know, uh, the the... At Christmas time, when we gather gifts for the kiddos and, and distribute them, we do the great egg hunt. We, we do things like, in two weeks, serve like crazy. One of my favorite events of the entire year. Well, we take a Sunday, and we get outside of this building, and we just go into the community, and we show the community the love of Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. There's some of you in this room, a lot of you have signed up, but there's some of you in this room that have not signed up yet to be a part of that. Here's what that Sunday is going to look like. Two Sundays from now, October the 28th, we're going to gather here at 9 o'clock. We're going to have a quick little rally where we're going to sing together and worship and honor the Lord. And then we're going to get out of here and we're going to go do all kinds of projects within the community. You might say, well, what kind of projects? Well, I made a list for y'all, okay? <laughs> here's some things we're going to do. We're going to detail cars for single moms, widows, military people, teachers. Got to love them teachers, Amen. We're going to go to a nursing home and just love on the elderly. This is near and dear to our heart because Stacey and I, we, a lot of you know if you've taken the Connect class, we met at a nursing home. We were both working there. And we've seen what happens. A lot of times elderly people get dropped off. They're just kind of forgotten after that. And so as a church, we want to go there and minister to them, love on them. Uh, we're going to go down to the local bus station in Baton Rouge, and we're going to pass out donuts and milk to people, offer to pray with them. And I think that that's a great outreach opportunity. Just go down there and love on people. Uh, we're going to get the, the local schools have some projects that they want us to do. You can get involved with that. Uh, there's a, this one. I love this one. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has asked us to help with a family in the community that their house has not been rebuilt. And they have actually, Samaritan's Purse is going to go in there and do work on the home, but they need all the stuff out of the house. So they asked us if we would have a team of people who would come and help box everything up and get it out of the house so that they can begin the work on the house. So I thought that was really cool to be able to work with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Central Woods, our children's department, is going to go and do a, do a party for the kids there and just teach them about Jesus. Uh, this is one of my personal favorites. We're going to go into the different neighborhoods. We did this last year and pass out cookies in the neighborhoods and just tell people. I love it when people say, why are y'all doing this? You know, shouldn't y'all, I love this, shouldn't y'all be at church right now? And you tell, well, we are the church, and we're coming to you to show you the love of Christ. Uh, so you can sign up for that one. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul, they called us. They asked if we would be willing to come help with some cleanup work that they have to do. So there's tons of projects, and here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone. I'll let you get your phone out in church. If somebody calls while we're doing this, just tell them I said hello. Uh, take your phone out and go, go to uh, Google and type in takethejourney.tv. That's our website, takethejourney.tv. And on there, there is a link where you can sign up online to be a part of one of these projects. A lot of people have signed up, but here's what I do not want you to do because so many times this happens. We're a church of about 12 to 1,300 people on an average weekend. And what happens is whenever we do serve like crazy, we usually get about 500 people who come out to serve. 
That means about six to 700 people say, well, you know what, That's, we get a pass on that Sunday. Do we get a pass that Sunday? Or do we have an opportunity to, to step it up and to get out and go be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community on that day? Oh, Pastor Jay, you're putting a guilt trip on me. No, no, I'm not. I'm just loving on you. Just loving on you. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you that if you consider yourself a part of the Journey Church family, that you come on that Sunday. Make a note to be here that Sunday at 9 o'clock. Sign up. Don't just show up, hey, I'm here. Sign up to be a part of a project. And let's go rock this world for Jesus. Amen? Because that's really what it's all about. So here's what I want you to do. I love what Christine Kane says, because we're talking about living life with urgency whenever we allow God to transform us. Paul, in his writings he, here, he understood that real transformation from God begins on the inside and works its way out. And I like what Christine Kane says. She's a great speaker. She says, quit acting like a Christian and be a Christian. Okay? You might say, well, what does that mean? We're too worried about the inside. If we quit worrying about the, um, the outside, if we start worrying more about the inside, guess what? It'll show on the outside. Amen? And so I, I love that. And let's just live for Jesus and make a difference in this world for him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the truth of your word speaking into our hearts. And Father, you have a work to do in us. But as we say it right here all the time, you have a work to do through us, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that today every person in this room, that Lord God, you have a purpose, a plan for them. And as we talk about walking in your confidence, having focus within our lives, living life with a sense of urgency, Lord God, I thank you that it's something that we will grab a hold of and live every day of our lives. Now, Father, I thank you that there are ones here today who may not know you. And Holy Spirit, do what you do so well right now, drawing their hearts to the place of salvation. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you honestly would say, Pastor Jay, I, I hear you. I've, that's me. I've never given my heart to Christ. Gone through the motions. I have the look. But on the inside, in my heart, I've not surrendered my heart to Christ. And today I want to take that step. I'm not talking about praying a prayer. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about you surrendering everything to Jesus and letting him become Lord and Master, Savior of your life. There might be others who would say, I have a relationship with Jesus, but it's not where it needs to be. And quite honestly, today I, I need to renew that commitment to him. I need to get my heart with, right with him. Today, if that's you, wherever you are in this room, you can settle this now between you and the Lord simply by opening up your heart and surrendering. There it is, the word surrender. And saying something like, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me at the cross. You gave your life for me because of the love that you have for me. And by faith, today I receive what you did for me. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and today I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of the sins in my life. Jesus, I turn from that and I turn to you. Through your precious blood, today cleanse me, wash me, make me brand new. I surrender to you. I give you my life. In 
Jesus, today, I ask you to be my Savior, but I embrace you as the Lord and Master of my life. And today, thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me, for letting me step into your family. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's everybody say it together.